Bet on Bears fans, madness at Hallis Hall yesterday, and we've got the person who was in there for it all. Who listen? First off, ask the best questions. I'm not gonna lie to you. We got to talk about all that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page. I want to jump straight into this because yesterday was a great. Uh, 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 I thought it was a really good press conference. Uh, I thought you did a really good job. Of uh, being respectful, but asking the hard-hitting questions. When you basically went, uh, this is going to come off awkward, no disrespect, Matt, but why is he still here? What's going on? Yeah, and I think that, like, you know, after you go through about 10 minutes of opening statements, you got to cut through the BS right away. (laughs) And um, you want to be respectful about it because, obviously, like, the situation, like, anytime you have these things where ownership is sitting off to the far left, Kevin Warren's sitting off next to George McCaskey, um, and then you've got Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus sitting up front, like, with each other at the, you know, at the table on the little, yeah. uh, little like, uh, riser, uh, which used to be a, 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 I don't know how to say it, like, it was like a, it was a singular podium. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. would stand up, they made the change, so like, yesterday, then, like, now, both of them were sitting next to each other. Um, it creates awkward, you know, an awkward situation, but those questions had to be asked, and I thought Poles, his answer to that was exactly what we've heard from him anytime he's spoken publicly about Matt Eberflus, and if you look at the clues you had throughout the season, this yeah. was like, he's never wavered. He never said he's never said anything different or to the contrary from what he said yesterday about Matt Eberflus. And, and that's good because you do want consistency from the people that are making your decisions. And what he said about having full autonomy, that it was his call to hire or to, you know, to, to retain Matt Eberflus and that he went to George and Kevin with it. And that it was, you know, they agreed. So, I mean, they, he's, he was in a good situation where there wasn't any sort of, um, I guess, you know, differing of thought is at least that coming across from Ryan Poles that he had right. their support to move forward with Matt Eberflus. But, you know, the questions of like, did you place any calls to Jim Harbaugh? Did you, you know, call it, talk to anybody else? And he said, Jim Harbaugh's the coach at Michigan. No, I didn't talk to him. And that he, quote, didn't talk to, quote, anybody. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to, of course, it's going to, it's going to raise eyebrows. It's going to, you know, create headlines. But if you look at this and the way that things were trending, you're not surprised that they didn't reach out to anyone else because of the support that, you know, has come at every single turn that Ryan Poles has had a chance to voice for Matt Eberflus. He's done that. He hasn't done anything to the contrary. So by that logic, you you shouldn't be surprised um, that they decided to to continue forward with this course that they're going on right now. It's it's interesting to me that they were so quick in that decision, knowing the names that are now out there. Do we feel like they moved to but this almost feels like when Matt Eberflus got hired and right. Ryan Poles was in the building two days later. Flus is the head mm-hmm. coach. And you're kind of like, OK, like who who broke this that who like evaluated this guy who's there were other names that it felt like were better head coaching candidates. And to be honest, we've seen some of them be better head coaching candidates over this stretch of time. Are we going to get it right this time? And now Bill Belichick's out there. Jim Harbaugh's still out there. We didn't reach out at all. We didn't try to contact any of his people. Uh, uh, um, A lot of up and coming uh, coordinators that are out there, right? There are names that Mm -hmm. are out there that you feel like, no, I see clip Mike Vrabel, of course. They, there's clear-cut evidence that he's a better head coach than what Matt Eberflus is right now, and they were so quick to 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 hold on to Matt. 
Well, or did they move too quick here? I mean, look, it was Wednesday by the time that we got that decision. So you will have certain people saying, man, it took a really long time to come to this conclusion. But as we as we got later in the week to the midpoint of the week, it felt pretty clear that if you didn't hear anything to the contrary, that Matt Eberflus was going to be they're going to be running it back with him. And to play devil's advocate here, if Ryan Poles says, yes, we reached out to Jim Harbaugh. Yes, we reached out to all these other coaches. Yeah. Um, and they still went with Matt Eberflus. It's going to look like they don't fully believe in Matt Eberflus. So he was kind of caught between, like anybody would have been caught between a rock and a hard place with that sort of question and the answer that you give. Because if you were looking, if you're so, like the way he talked about Matt Eberflus, if you're so dead set on this guy, you don't even enter, like the idea that they're giving is that we believe in our path. It's going into year three. We're on the right track. We don't want to get off this coach because we feel like he's the one to get us to our ultimate goal. If you start entertaining the thought of other coaches or waiting to see what Belichick's going to do, waiting to see what Jim Harbaugh's going to do, Pete Carroll, all of those things that happened, and Nick Saban too. I know he's retiring, but like Jesus, could we like get like slow down a little bit? Yesterday Our was childhood's nuts. over, Courtney. Our entire childhood is over. I mean, how wild is that? Where you're not going to have Patriots coach Bill Belichick or Alabama coach Nick Saban or Seattle coach Pete, Pete Carroll. Like, you're never going to have these. You're never going to be able to like have those titles again. It's just it definitely. I mean, they got it over quickly. It was just like an end of an era. Like sweep it out twenty four years, yeah. more or less. Um, in a matter of a couple hours yesterday, but I, I get why the bears, at least and maybe they did call, maybe they did. Maybe there was at least like some interest expressed, but I mean, the, the, the reason that Ryan polls came under fire for that comment, at least in the eyes of some is that, man, did you really do your due diligence by not reaching out to some of the best coaching candidates and what, you know, free agent cycle, what it feels like Mike Vrabel in that mix too. But He's damned if he does. He's damned if he doesn't because if yeah. he says, yeah, we did. And then they still go with Matt Eberflus. It's going to look like the Bears got turned down. And there's going to be the whole idea, well, why was the case? Like, Why, if you reached out to Jim Harbaugh, does he not want to come here? Because then that speaks to the internal workings of this organization and maybe some of the shortcomings that coaching candidates see and they don't want to be part of. Like, I think that that's all relative here uh, as it pertains to his answer. And then the answer that Kevin Warren gave to when I asked him about, you know, how did you ultimately come to that decision to not look outside the building as you move forward with your, with your current head coach? See, that's, it's tough to me though, right? Because you would almost feel like the mindset of the team is we're looking to get better no matter what, because that's how they talk about it. And mm -hmm. so when we, when asked about Justin Fields, he says, I think he's improved a lot. I like a lot of the things that he's done, but... But, yeah, but, like, it's a evaluate situation. Everything. Yeah, and then... You know it, what I mean? And that's the part for me where it's like, okay, well, that should be the case, right? Like, you can say you think Matt's done a great job. Praise all the things that he does. And then say, we're still going to do what's best for this team. We looked at some other options, and we felt like Matt Eberflus was the best option in that. Like, I, I think the... We never talked to him, which I do believe he probably didn't call, right? Like, mm -hmm. if, if this is was, I don't believe Matt Eberflus's fate was set in the last game of the season. Me personally, I just feel like you looked at the defense and you were like, well, we're not going to tear this apart now. Okay, I can deal with that. But there's guys out there that could have kept building this defense, could have kept growing this defense and improved the coaching ability in the room. And maybe Matt Eberflus proves me wrong, but it just feels like the mindset of Flus permeated that team this year mm -hmm. and it's a very passive mindset at times 
And I understand the frustration with that because to your point on how they've answered the Justin questions, like the fail safe there, at least like the trap door is, Hey, we've got this, we're sitting on a number one overall pick. Like you're not sitting on another coaching candidate. You know what I mean? There's no obvious replacement or no slam dunk. Oh yeah. This guy would absolutely come here. If Matt Eberflus, like if they decided to move on from Matt Eberflus, but I think it's an apples to a watermelon sort of uh, comparison here about how they talked about the quarterback to how they talk about the head coach, because especially when it comes to the person that you expect to like have the leadership guide the team. Like if you read between what polls was saying, he said, if at any point, you know, he would have jumped off the ship, like, you know, it would have, you would have been, what was the word he used? Like not shit show, but he used the word, like it was, I thought it was just a very funny word, like just oh. talking about the chaos this team endured yeah, this yeah. year and that how how Matt Eberflus like stayed steady with that. I don't think at the head coaching position you can, fl- um, you know, fluctuate on your choices of like, okay, because like when it comes to a position, like it makes sense. You have options there. It's how you build a 53-man roster. You've got to evaluate all things that lead to your decisions. Stay with Justin Fields. Use that number one overall pick on a quarterback. It's just different with the coaching decision that you have to make because once you go, once you double down on that and once you see that this is where you want to go, you can't flounder. You can't be like, all right, we want to test this. We want to test this because, first off, timeline-wise, if they wanted to pursue any of the candidates, they'd have to. They would have had to have fired Matt Eberflus by now. They yeah. would have had to, and so you don't have the same luxury of time that you do with the quarterback position. And waiting until, as he said, he wants to take this thing up to the draft for the number one pick, if he's going to use it or if he's not, you don't have that same sort of luxury. Like You have to get the coaching thing set right away, more or less, in the offseason. And since they weren't going to go about a full head coaching search, you can't be one foot in, one foot out with it, which is why, from that logic, you can understand why they're like, all right, we don't think we want to test the waters here. Like, Let's just double down with the guy that we've been talking publicly about for weeks putting this team on the right path and going in the right direction, whether you agree with it or not. Like that's the yeah. logic. Well, listen, I, I I've, I've said the decision that Ryan Poles has gained my trust to the point mm-hmm. where the decisions he makes, I can live with, right. There's some people that are, uh, you know, that their trust is based on whether Ryan Poles makes the decision that they feel is right or not. And it's like, all right, guy. Yeah. I mean, like you gotta, you gotta kind of just follow this guy down the path. He's the captain right now. Unfortunately, we're the guys that have to fall in line. We got to just follow him down this road. So while I don't agree with the decision, I feel like Ryan Poles can put a lot of pieces in place that can make this decision bear fruit. So I I'm interested to see that. I guess now the biggest question is from a coaching standpoint, how do you go out and build an elite staff with a guy who is seemingly coming into the last couple of years of his deal? It feels like this is a winner or go home type of season for Matt Eberflus. And you have to get an elite OC. By the way, they started off their search, in my mind, in the perfect place last night by going and uh, requesting to interview Shane Waldron. I love how he schemes games. I also feel like he's a guy that if if Flus isn't uh, isn't here next year, maybe you could just bump him up into the next spot. Just just stick around. Yeah, just stay with Justin. It, it, your job. But how do you build a staff around a a coach that feels like? It's it's make the playoffs or bust and and you're out of here. It's hard, and I know that they were posturing in a way that they believe the roster is good at like is is enough of a draw to get people in there. But I'm sorry, like 
unless there's a contract extension coming for Matt Eberflus. I asked Kevin Warren about it again. Like these things suck in terms of how awkward they can be your boss, George McCaskey sitting right over there. And someone's asking you about contract extensions. Like these, these have to be asked because you don't get people in this sort of setting, but it's just, it's an, it's an awkward situation. Of course they haven't like already inked him to one because you would have found out about it. Him meaning Matt Eberflus. And I think that that's, Maybe it wouldn't matter. I've talked to people around the league the last 24 hours who think that a coaching an extension for Eberflus wouldn't necessarily like make this a huge draw for for a job um, for people, but because they've seen some of the systemic issues that this cycle has perpetuated, which you and yeah. I have talked about, which I asked Ryan Poles about. How do you break this? Where it's quarterback who enters or a head coach who enters lame duck status drafts a quarterback that coach is fired, that quarterback gets passed on yeah. to the next coaching staff, so on and so forth, and. I understand that he doesn't want to look back at past history and that's not really, it's not at all his fault. That's the McCaskey's fault. That's the systemic BS that has continued on with this franchise for a long time that yeah. only one person really, I mean him, him and anybody who has the last name McCaskey can answer for not Kevin Warren, not Ryan Poles, but can you break this cycle this time around? They made it difficult on themselves and they will continue to make it difficult on themselves if they don't well, we do. have some sort of clarity on Ryan Poles, but really Matt Eberflus is here beyond 2024 because right. I'm sorry for as good as the quarterback situation can be where you will have a say in either it's Justin Fields or it's the number one pick you're using. If you, if this staff gets fired next year, you're probably out too, unless somehow an assistant, uh, an offensive coordinator can get an associate or assistant head coach title because then you more or less you have at least a candidate or like a coach in waiting. Yeah. Um, that just, it's a really tough draw. And I know that people are going to look kind of blindly at those, at like all of the stuff that matters in how staffs are built and how staffs are retained and what the contract situations are like. And be like, it's a great roster. Look at this defense. You got Montez Sweat. You're probably going to have Jalen Johnson because Ryan Poles seemed pretty damn confident that he's going to be re signed and not in like the too distant future. Um, you have all these pieces, but stability, like this is why I think they're, and this is my opinion, this is why I think they're, coaching pool is limited to first year offensive coordinators or people who have no other options outside of the Chicago bears and, and, and and who knows where else. That's why I don't think it's going to be a massive draw because if you are somebody who is a hot OC candidate, first off, like any idea that like Ben Johnson or Eric B or any of those names, like if you're, if you're vying for head coaching positions, you're not going to take an OC. It's a lateral move, first off. Yeah. Non-starter. Stop talking well, about it. Well, the enemy is tough for me because I just... He went had, through this before, Pat. Like, I'm going to stop know, you there but, before you even get into it. He just went through this in Washington. Why the, Why would he sign up for this again? <laughs> Knowing that, like, yeah. I'm sure if Matt Eberflus is in flux right now. Yeah, they committed to him for 2024, but beyond that, why would you go through that again? I, I don't. It's it's a non-starter for me. You would I not think the problem with the enemy is is he going to get head coaching jobs? He's done all the interviews. He's gone through all the process. He's had a ton of interviews, and everybody seems to keep coming back with no. And it's not that he won't go through the process mm-hmm. again, but if he gets the nose again, that means he's going to probably be one of the last OCs still available. And you'll be that saying the OC for kind, life at that point, like and right? He, he, he's kind of in a Vic Fangio situation right mm-hmm. now. It feels like. Remember, Vic used to interview. Every sure. year, and then he'd be like, "Well, I'm still the DC here, so there's that." 
And and that's and of course everybody's gonna look at the ties to Ryan Poles. He saw him through gears in Kansas City, so yeah. running backs coach to offensive coordinator. Like if there's anybody in like who's hiring people this cycle that knows offensive coordinator candidates, it's Ryan Poles because he was yeah. with Eric Bieniemy in in a spot where they watched a Super Bowl team be built. They watched a quarterback develop. So he knows his coaching style. He knows what he could do for Justin or a quarterback to be named later. Um I just I think if you're B enemy, like and, and that's it's the interesting part about it because remember like Washington fired everybody Monday. It's yeah. Thursday when we're taping this. We haven't heard anything as far as um any interviews that have come up for him. And and if he does get an interview in Chicago, I mean they would be It'd be foolish not to attack to request an interview for right. someone like Eric Bieniemy. Would he take it is a completely different question. And I think that that's hedged on job security more than the quarterback that you're going to be working with. But that's to me, that, that to me this is probably a job where your candidate pool is, is I think this is my opinion on it. I think yeah. it's, I think it's slimmer because of the job security and the, of the, co- of the coaching staff right now, where this, direction of like what's going to happen in 2025 if you take the job now but it might lead to another group of first year coordinator first year play callers being the candidate pool that you end up picking from yeah it's, it's going to be it's going to be very tough with everything surrounding Matt Eberflus and I think even right from a DC perspective how are you going to go out there and find somebody who's going to want to attach themselves like it's not that the team is bad and and maybe like the only draw you have is that the players here are good Mm -hmm. and you feel like you could probably win and if you believe in Justin Fields you feel like you can win with Justin Fields DJ Moore go get me more weapons and a center Uh, if you don't want Justin Fields I get Caleb Williams and a center or Drake May and whatever like but you you have options here that you're going to actually be able to get input on. And I, I love that the bears are actually moving as fast as they are in this whole process, because they're like, listen, we got to get this guy in here. Cause we got to make sure we, this tells me that kind of what Justin Fields said at the end of the year, he doesn't even know yeah. what his future is. The bears are literally weighing all the options at the quarterback position. It's going to, to me, be heavily based on what candidates are saying that are coming in. Do you feel like you can win with Justin or not? And there will be, I mark my words, there's always going to be the long shot candidate who thinks he can fix of the course. current quarterback. And that guy or gal, never know, could be a woman in, in some one of these days, maybe there'll be a woman who emerges in the search. I digress. Um, but like, that person is going to that's those are the type of candidates where it's like, do you really want to I've seen this story play out at other teams before. Yep. I saw it in Minnesota. Like somebody's like, Oh, I can I can fix that quarterback. I can take on that quarterback, no problem. And then it's the square peg round hole argument yep. where oftentimes you get people coming from a system that they only they know, thinking that they can transform a quarterback who's now, if it is Justin Fields, and Matt Eberflus said that he didn't think that fields in his third offense in four years would be an issue. And that's great. I think that's a good vote of confidence from the head coach. If they do end up sticking with fields and you can point back to the bears had belief that fields could, um, you know, succeed in whatever the next offense is, if he is their quarterback next year. But that's, I just would caution on those candidates if they're selling you on something because how the bears position this in interviews, like, what they're saying to candidates, which way they're leaning, or if they're truly saying, "Hey, tell us what you would do. Do you want to keep Justin Fields? Do you want to keep? Um, do you want to keep the number one pick and have us go draft a quarterback? Who? Which quarterback would that be? Those are all things that have to be considered on like the OC that you pick. Because hearing the right answers in in an interview is one thing. 
seeing that like develop on the field is another, which again, if you overpromise and you underdeliver, you're probably out of a job next year. Yeah. And and this is what's tough is right for a lot of I think the other part is for a lot of first year candidates, right? This is a situation that it's not just if the Bears keep them, the Bears believe in Justin Fields. Teams around the NFL believe Justin Fields is a good quarterback. There are teams, there are teams around most of the players in the NFL look at Justin Fields and go, nah, if you put him in the right spot, like he's gonna absolutely dominate. All of those teams are going to look at you and if this is your first opportunity and say, Dog, all you had to do was roll them outside the pocket. Why didn't you do more? Right. Like that's going to look negatively on your resume if you come in and say, no, I know exactly how to fix them and don't do it. Now, I also see all those players say that it does seem like an easy fix. So maybe it is. Maybe it is just getting them outside the pocket and doing more with his mobility and, and using his arm in that way. But it's not going to be as easy as it sounds, at least in my opinion. And I think that that also limits the candidate pool. But the the one thing that I do like is that it seems like the Bears know what they're looking for, right? When I heard the name Shane Waldron, I instantly got excited because I was like an elite play designer, a guy who's going to be able to use his receivers uh, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> in shorter routes for the quarterback, and a guy who this season had to deal with missing a couple of offensive tackles and going out there and still putting a good offense on the field. So I, I, I know at the end of the day, the numbers end up being kind of even, but when mm -hmm. you see the play design and the thinking outside the box on, okay, we've got this issue. How do we avoid that? Yeah. That tells me that the bears know what they're looking for. And I'll say, I want to like say one more thing because somebody brought this idea up of are the bears limiting their pool by saying, Hey, you have to keep Chris Morgan. You have to keep Jim Dre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I actually, really? I, I had a conversation with somebody about this this morning and it made me kind of change my tune on it. Young offensive coordinators, people like they don't have staffs. Are you kidding me? Like, you know, I've been doing this for two years. They don't have guys who are loyal to them, like of in in a sense of like having a full like an offensive coordinator or yeah, yeah. an offensive line coach, a tight ends coach, a running backs coach. So, and if you pull the league, there's probably like four or five guys that are offensive line coaches right now that you look at and say, you know, bar none, you're keeping that guy on your staff regardless of the of the any other offensive coaches that come in like there's certain positions d-line coach i think is one of them too um and, and there's several candidates uh out there that like you're always that you would always think or at least you'll hear around the league like no matter what system i'm in no matter what you know three four four three whatever i'm bringing that d-line coach with me i'm gonna go out and get that d-line coach like there's people who can like chris morgan very clearly has built a reputation for himself that for Matt Eberflus with was enough to be like, no, like we're dead set. Like you're keeping Chris Morgan because we like where this offensive line is going. We also like the coaching style. Like, and that, and that I think is actually not as bad. I mean, it, does it sound like it's limiting? Sure. Because you're being told you have to keep certain people on staff. What if personalities don't match? What if coaching styles don't match? Whatever. Yeah. That's a concession. I think that several that like most offensive coordinators will be okay making because especially when you're coming from a younger pool, which, you know, Shane Waldron has been doing this for a couple of years. He's dealt with multiple different quarterbacks. And, and certainly you can look at, I know Dave Canales, obviously, who's now in Tampa, like he got a lot of credit and deservedly so for what he did with Geno Smith, but like now Shane Waldron and what this offense, you know, what they run just on the cusp of making the playoffs this yeah. year with a, you know, a wave of different quarterback situations that they had to work through that should be intriguing. But I, I just, I don't think that 
Matt Eberflus being dead set, especially when it came to Chris Morgan on like, oh no, he's being retained. Like, and he yeah. kind of just like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't think that that's going to harm things as much as at least it would appear if you're being told, no, you can come here, but you got to keep these people in their, in their current jobs. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, he's Shanahan tree too, right? I think Waldron is, I think he's on the Shanahan tree too. So it's, makes- it's, it's another West coast system, which yeah. if you think about like how difficult it is to learn, I know people like were like mad at me for pointing out like how the verbiage, like it takes a year to learn that and people are like, well, a new quarterback coming in is going to have to learn that too. I understand that, but if but they he's got if, more time, if they're th- yes. And if they're thinking about keeping Justin Fields, you're going to try to find a, an offense. That's not like completely different from, from what he, w- what he was in the last two years that of course is going to have some differences. He's going to have to work through, but you know, maybe that's a, t- I mean, certainly when we, when we find out who's hired and maybe it's in like two weeks or something, I mean, yeah. the bears got to get there. If there's anybody on playoff teams right now, they've got to get those requests in this week because of the of the um, the blackout dates, more or less, that the yep. NFL has for when you can and cannot talk to coaching candidates. Um, but I think we'll know. I think we'll have a better indication of which way they're going to go after this hire is made, knowing what the quarterbacks who have worked with these coaches before, how they panned out, how they relate to Justin, and if Justin can actually be a fit in whatever the offense to be named later is. Now, we heard from Kevin Warren yesterday as well, and I thought that now as as a meathead Chicago Bears fan that I oftentimes am, uh, <laughs> it, it fired me up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, it's not the, the, the Ted Phillips conversations at the end of the year where it's just like, yep, we're doing the same things again. I know that this is going to be the exact same thing. It almost felt like Kevin Warren when he talked about, I'm willing to take a step back but I am extremely impatient mm-hmm. and I am going to win. That to me was like, all right, boys, y'all better figure this out this off season because this is the best opportunity you're going to have. That seemed like a message to the entire room to me. When you heard his comments yesterday, what did you think he was kind of speaking to, uh, I guess, Ryan Poles and everybody below him in that situation? I think he's trying to take the pulse of the fan base and, inject like his own thoughts like hey guys i get it i'm with you like you meaning the fan i think he was speaking to the fan more than anything else about you hear about these rebuilds and it's like all right like we understand this is a necessary path but win quickly and you know do it the right way where it's sustainable where you don't have what happened in 2018 where it's like success and then there's like a downcline like or excuse me like a a downwards trajectory like yeah it's I, I I think he hit what he had to say, like and hit all the right points. I don't know that we learned much about um, any of like, the inner workings or like, what's next. I mean, even with the stadium, like the, I mean, the one thing I took from that is when he said that we like he was asked specifically about Arlington Heights, like y'all own the land, you you gonna start doing anything here? He's like, we want to build a world class stadium, and like left it very open ended. You can probably infer that like no, Arlington Heights isn't a lock, and maybe that's a ploy to create more yeah. leverage. Maybe it's a city of Chicago, who knows? But Outside of that, I would say, and maybe I'm skeptical because I am close to it. Like, I don't know that I learned anything in specific to decisions that are going to be made from like, uh, you know, a presidential organizational structure standpoint with Kevin Warren yesterday. I think he said all the right points and expressed that, yeah, look, this is a rebuild, but it's not going to be a rebuild for five years. Like, yeah. because otherwise people will be out of jobs at that point. Like, that's yeah. that's probably as much as I can take from that. 
I love how he was like, like he wasn't even hiding that he's like, I'm a sidestep your question. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna put my lawyer hat on. It's like, yeah, oh, for, okay. for the so Alan Williams question. No, I thought he, I mean, Kevin, Kevin has done a million of these before. Like yeah. he, he's prepared. I thought honestly for Bears fans will probably never, ever be happy with like anything that comes out of, um, comes this from the true. podium. But like, I thought we got, a lot of questions answered yesterday and I felt like there were a lot of very fair questions and fair responses to some impossible questions that had to be asked, but you're never going to get somebody to tip their hand one way or the other. Now, um, you know, people were arguing with me about that like all night about did, did Ryan Poles actually tip his hand? Does he think there's four quarterbacks taken going to be taken in the first round? What did he mean by four different types? Was he misspeaking? He said he misspoke. Was it real? Like all those things. But I, I looked at the whole situation yesterday. I thought I came away thinking, all right, there was nothing, there was nothing that wasn't asked that should have been, or something yeah. that like, you know, because next time we'll most likely hear from everybody is at the combine. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that like remains a big question mark of man, we really don't know what direction the team's going in. I think that Ryan Poles and the way that he talked about the number one overall pick and wanting to be wide open. Those are his words on it. Like the decision, do you keep Justin Fields? Do you use number one overall pick taking the thing all the way up to April? Like he hit on the right points with that. And I don't know what more he could have said. You know what I mean? Like because they don't know the draft board is not set right now. Like it's January 11th, like grades, final grades on these guys are not in yet. Um, things change, but you got to at least have an idea of all of the scenarios that you're going to work through, which I mean, even being asked about what if you keep Justin and draft a quarterback, but that's something that they're going to have to be open to as well. I, I just love how he's like, if you're out there watching, like call me, the picks available. Like he's not, he's yeah. not closing off any avenues here. And and listen, if you know what, it what, what left me yesterday from the press conference, it left me feeling good as a bears fan. There's real leaders up there. When Ryan Pace would talk, I'd be like, who who hired the hair model? I mean, like who who put who put the guy with the good hair in place that can smile and wink at the camera every now and then, and like half of the crowd over here falls over, right? Like I, who's who? Like it feels like when I heard Kevin Warren talk, it was like there's leadership in place. Stop playing. We're not going to be sitting around here for ten years trying to rebuild this. And when you hear from Ryan Poles, it feels the same way. Yeah, and I I, I mean. It- Proof's in the pudding, though, because you can, yeah, you can. It doesn't matter if you win the press conference. If you say the right things, of course, that's that's leadership. You don't want to get up there and be floundering. And, you know, this team has had some bad press conferences. A lot of these season enders have not been great. Remember 2020? What did Ted say um, about, you know, we got the quarterback. We haven't gotten the quarterback right. We haven't gotten the wins right. But everything else, like. I'm paraphrasing. Like I just remember watching that. Well, when I was yeah, saying, we we haven't know. gotten the quarterback. That was the uh, double we down on enough. Pace and, yeah, the but everything else, Mrs. Lincoln. Other than that, how was the play? Sort of comment. Like <laughs> I felt like they, and that's you know public the to the public into like your to the optics that you're creating around this team. Are you a stable franchise or are you a shit show? Yeah. Like, They've got to control that too. I know that it's not the X's and O's and that's not like what's going to lead to ultimately wins on the field, but that's important. You don't want to look like the reputation, which unfortunately they've held as a mom and pop sort of organization for a very long time. You want to look like a professional organization. Like we are on the cutting edge. We are a destination job. You've got to position yourself like that. You know, that's the whole look good, play good feel good, they pay good sort of thing. Like, you've got to position yourself to look like pros. You can't have the same sort of circus that's been 
circulating around this team for a long time. Like you have to have the right people up there in place to answer hard questions, to put off, um, you know, a front facing image of no, we we've got our stuff together. We know what we're doing. Um, because that's leadership. That's leadership yep. at the very baseline. Like, do you have people that people want to follow that people want to work for and not be a place where it's like, man, I don't want to go to that dumpster fire, which they have been viewed as before. And other organizations have been viewed as. So I, from that perspective, if we're just looking at it from like a 30,000 foot view of what the press conference, how they turned out, I thought that they controlled the message, the best, of, the best of their, of their ability yesterday. Yeah, it was it was really good to see some some semblance of it uh, yesterday, which we haven't seen before. I forgot about that press conference with Ted. I mean, <laughs> and like, obviously, like I I was on the beat. I've been on the beat for two years, but I yeah. remember watching those from Minnesota because, like, you're in the NFC North, you're comparing and contrasting. Yeah. And I remember, good God, you remember the one the two, the 2022 presser when they fired Pace and Nagy, and you've got George up there. That was the whole. Yep. I'm just a fan comment. I'm just a fan. Um, I'm not those, a football evaluator. Those things don't reflect well in your franchise. So to like mitigate that by having the right people up there to control the message, to answer questions, even if you don't come away with like a concrete, this is what they're doing. This is not what they're doing. To make yourselves like appear like a real professional, serious organization that goes a long way. That really does around the league. That goes a very long way. And that's something that cannot be overstated. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a breath of fresh air. Sure. Uh, before we let you go, it. before we let you go, Courtney, we've seen so many changes around football over the past 48 hours. Uh, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, which one are you going to miss the most? Oh man. Um, the hard thing with Belichick is like, look, he can coach literally any position yeah. and do it better than anybody else. He runs circles or any, any, any head coaching candidate, this cycle, Bill Belichick, even at what, 71, 72 years old, however, mm -hmm. or, he's, or 68, whatever. I know Bill, uh, Pete Carroll's technically the oldest, but regardless, like from an X's and O's perspective, you're not going to get somebody better, but the way that his tenure ended, it's not going to taint his legacy. But like, I remember on my, you know, we were talking about this and more people are like, how come you're not shocked about it? Um, it felt like this was time, but yeah. like four and 13, the last year, 29 and 38 without, without Tom Brady, like all of those things, it's a complicated legacy for Bill Belichick, but I will like, th that's my whole childhood and my whole, really, I mean, I'm not 24 years old, like, yeah. you know, but like from being a football fan, all those, these years to understanding the game, like, there's nobody who did it better than Belichick. And and I remember talking with um, a scout that I, I really trust who I used to, you know, he was in the AFC for a long time. So he'd constantly be like doing the advance on Belichick teams. And I said, what's the hardest thing about advancing a Belichick team? He's like, you never know what they're going to do from a week to week basis. Teams will hold their identity. But when you are a bill, when you're going against a bill Belichick team, they're going to adapt who they are every single week to your biggest strength and not every like very few teams in the NFL, they can try to combat things based on their own identity. But the whole like idea that like, you know, teams will be, this is who we are. This is, you know, we stick to our identity. Belichick had the ability to be a chameleon in that sense, in terms of how we scheme for opponents. And I don't know if there will ever be anybody to do it better than him. And that's what I will miss seeing. Although doesn't sound like we're gonna have him going anywhere. Like it sounds nah, like he's he'll be somewhere else. Be coaching in Atlanta. I just, you know, you obviously have the thought of okay, like 
can is it just that you are you still chasing something because you don't have anything to add to your legacy? You won six Super Bowls. Like you're you've coached in more Super Bowls than Lombardi oh, coached in seasons. He yeah, won't but like nothing's gonna take away from his legacy. Nothing is going to I mean it might add to it, but like you don't need to. The thought of okay, what about retirement? Nick Saban's headed towards retirement. Sounds like Pete Carroll's gonna go to the front office. Like at some point, I'd love to see this trend of coaches like be able to like part ways with the game because obviously it's very difficult and that's not something that is as it's a small thing people can say oh just retire go enjoy your life go sit on a beach of course we can talk about that right. and, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but like when this is all you know and this is your entire identity imagine just all of a sudden that being gone so like these are not easy decisions i'm sure for all three coaches to you know be in this spot to not want to give up the game but like nick saban's probably the closest we're going to get to him stepping away but like you can go in other sports too i mean mike krzyzewski yeah. retired after an incredible career at duke yet he stayed on as a consultant to like see that process through with john shire that 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 first year that shire was the head coach um and he even had trouble like you know kind of st- obviously he stepped into the shadows but like he's still not away from the game i think guys yeah. coaches have a hard time the, the great ones and for good reason they have a hard time letting it go and i'll be very curious to see what's next for all three guys that i just mentioned um as we enter a cycle that has people like Mike Vrabel available, all of yeah. the Patriots assistants that might be in line for that, that for that job, Gerard Mayo, Brian Flores, the former Patriots assistants, and some who are still there, like it was a good week to get some clarity. But these ne- like and what the coaching cycle and how the landscape of the NFL is going to shift. But I'm very curious to see next two three weeks, basically up until the Super Bowl, what where the dust settles and where these people go. It's going to be so weird watching the NFL next year. Even even watching college, like Saban leaving. I think Saban leaving made sense to me because I was like, he he didn't like the dis, this discrepancy where like, because you were the quarterback of Alabama, you were making $5 million. And because you were the offensive lineman, you were getting like 30000 But he so brought into NIL. Like, changed so much. It did, but I think that he... He understood NIL, and which is yeah. why, like, when you're finding his replacement, like Dan Lanning makes too much sense because Dan Lanning is college football in 2024, yeah. where there might be more, you know, candidates who have like a natural. Obviously, he was a GA there, so like, I mean, it makes sense. But there might be like, you know, Mike Norvell's, Dabo Swinney, all those coaches yeah. who, like, their name might catapult to the front. But like Nick Saban and his tentacles, his coaching tree, his reclamation projects that he took on in coaching, like. That stands the test of time, and to oh, me, yeah. that's that's his. Saban's all over. Saban is all. He modernized over college, college football. football. Greatest college coach ever, and he modernized college football, and he did it at two different places after a stop in the NFL where he failed, and was yeah. able to take that failure and then go win all those national championships with the Crimson Tide. That was such a weird year in the NFL too, because it was just like you're not going to be here, and we all know it. Just yeah. just go back to college. Wow. I don't know. It's it's a weird. It's been such a long life of these names, and now they're starting to fade away. And uh, we're getting old. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Uh, hey, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Let us know what your takeaways from the press conferences were. Uh, let us know how you guys feel in the comments below. As always, for Courtney Cronin, your boy Pat the Designer, back at it again. We'll be back here tomorrow, breaking down even more Chicago Bears football with Yurko, which is always fun. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Peace.